0: This is the Deep V Podcast. Deep shit I could never say on the radio. I'm Casey Joe. I'm creating this space for the ones who live from their full heart. The ones that live life with panache and zest, but also struggle with that daily existential crisis. Let's talk about it. Here we explore breaking up with comfort zones and deep throating vulnerability. The Deep V. Episode 7. Public displays of fake empathy. Hey, it's Casey Joe, and I accidentally punched myself in the face cuddling up with a blanket. And if that doesn't accurately describe my life right now, I don't know what does. I know, I know, I had it coming. I once read that your personal brand is the most stupid way you've accidentally injured yourself. So, what's up? Friends, ex-lovers, total creeps. We're all creeps now. I haven't seen anyone in like 31 days. (laughs) Oh, wait. I think it's been more than that. Almost 35 days. Wow. What day is it? Wait, who am I? Hold on. So anyways, how are you? Tell me everything. What have you been up to? Oh, me? You know, I've been super busy doing woodsy woman shit, dodging spiders, chopping wood, Well, first of all, I grew really tired of rolling my eyes at privileged minors on the internet, so I spent a lot of time crying, naturally. My head sometimes is so noisy. I'm a bit fearful. I think about everyone and everything. I've been feeling deeply sad, a deep sadness that it feels like most will never understand. The deep sadness feels like it's never going away. A sadness that I didn't get my happily ever after. So I have to just be upset and focus on this. You feel that? I ask it, when are we done crying? For myself, for others, for the world's pains. Am I broken? Have I totally lost my mind this time? Is hope empty? And what about faith? Staring out at the lighthouse blinking, the beautiful sparkle of light contrasting against the pit of hell, I ask and I breathe and I be. Why are we so GD tired these days? Maybe you're like me and you're trying to make up for rest that you never had your entire life but mostly we're so GD tired because our nervous systems are on overdrive. We've got the parasympathetic nervous system, and that one works when our actions don't require immediate attention. And then we've got the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight, flight, or freeze system. The parasympathetic is all rest and digest and chill, 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 chill. And right now, a lot of us are in the sympathetic to the max. And not only that... We're being told to do more now than ever. (laughs) What? You haven't made your sourdough bread yet? What? You haven't planted any seeds? No seedlings? What? You haven't written King Lear (laughs) 2? I'm on to King Lear 4. Just kidding. Good. Me neither. We're also living behind screens, something we know is inherently bad. And the long-term effects of this pandemic and our reliance upon our screens for everything makes me nervous. This isn't lost on me. Screens are defiant over IRL in real life right now, and not the other way around. We're so GD tired because our conscious mind isn't getting a break. We used to operate solely on the unconscious, probably a lot of the time, you know, doing menial things like driving to work and we go into autopilot and we're driving and at the same time we're thinking about a million other things and we're not really paying attention. We might arrive when we got to work and we might be like, I don't even remember driving to work. Right now, we're pulled directly and immediately. Do not pass go and do not collect $200, especially not from the government, straight into the present moment. Word. That's so weird because we've been trained our whole lives in Western society to avoid the present. We're always reminiscing about the past, remembering the past, talking about the past. Most of our stories about the past aren't even true. Our memories and our stories. I'm going to save that for another episode. And then we spend a lot of time projecting into the future, creating expectations, talking about one day, someday, that day, goals and dreams. Those are necessary. Yeah. But the present is so real right now. It's unreal. It's so real. And how much projecting into the future can we do right about now? We're so present and it's requiring all of our energy. Maybe it's just me. I wake up, and I'm exhausted from not sleeping. Or if I did, I'm having these really vivid dreams, which I'm welcoming because it's been a while since I've had those. I'll take it. But I feel more exhausted than ever, and I'm a privileged one staying at home. Also, we're really GD tired because of moral fatigue Every decision that we're making right now probably feels like it carries this heaviness of life or death. And that, my friend, again, takes its toll on our nervous system. And check this out. We're probably burned out before the pandemic anyways. And then on top of that, if we're staying home like good folks, we're probably confronting our pain, our shit. We're sniffing around long enough. We're going to find out. (gasps) Shit. Do you, do you smell that? I was sniffing around. There's some shit there. And then we start thinking about things that we weren't thinking about before <gasps> gasp, shock, horror. Maybe we were even avoiding those things. Also, GD tired of the PDFE, public displays of fake empathy. We all know PDA, public displays of affection. I'm witnessing a lot of PDFE, public displays of fake empathy, people pretending to be empathetic and caring of this very real situation, but then doing whatever the fuck they want, anyways like leaving town on a long weekend despite being told not to, despite being asked to stay home. I knew people were going to do that as somebody who lives in a small, isolated community to begin with. And you know what? I wasn't having it. I got in my car, and I sat at this sign that said, please, if you don't live here, go home. And I waved at the full load of cars coming off the ferry. And let me tell you, what an interesting time of that was. <laughs> You could tell immediately who was a local because locals waved, and they honked, and they hollered, and they gave me two thumbs up, and I felt seen. But there were way too many people sheepishly driving by, not knowing which way to drive, which was a dead giveaway that they were not local. So many trolls, man. (laughs) Am I surprised? Yeah, I am kind of surprised, but I've been dealing with trolls since 2006. So if you're going to troll me and you think you're going to get to me, you got to be pretty special. I opened one message from someone that said, yeah, well, if you put yourself out there, then you got to have to deal with this. Uh, No, actually, I don't, especially when people are personally attacking me for encouraging people to be thoughtful and less self-centered. I don't have to put up with people attacking me personally. People who are so self-centered that they need their time. They're risking lives. Small communities like this one that are not supported for an influx of COVID cases. Are you thinking about those who have to die alone? Those who say goodbye over a phone? Everyone working endlessly? Those who stay home and don't feel seen? Those who can't speak? Those already with debilitating disease? Everybody wants to run, but I'm thinking about those who want to run, but stay there because we care. So get the fuck out of here with your public displays of fake empathy and stay home already. I've also been busy doing my woodsy woman shit, you know, like um, doing stuff like, oh yeah, I fought coyotes off my dog. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, I'll get to that. Um, I've been drinking a lot of coffee. Coffee's great. If you drink enough coffee, everything's better. Or worse, if you drink enough coffee, suddenly you have new problems. What do you do when someone foolishly says the word espresso? People who say expresso are the reason I have trust issues. But it's nice that I can express myself like this. Confession, I don't trust anyone who orders a double-double. I'm sorry. I don't know why you hate yourself and your guts like that. They use whipping cream. I don't just want to drink hot bean water. Hot bean water is disgusting. Automatic dispenser coffee is horrible. Condensed milk leaves you gassy and beyond bloated. You don't feel good. You don't look good naked. The caffeine doesn't wake me up. The shock of how bad it is wakes me up. Hi, welcome to Coffee Talk. It's Coffee Talk. That's my podcast now, Coffee Snobbery. (laughs) I'm a lifetime subscriber, okay? Death before decaf. The only time for decaf is never, and in the trash. But hey, at least we're saving the planet a little by not using our one billion takeout coffee cups a year right now, right? Right? (sighs) Meanwhile, people are all like, I'm so bored. What are you binge watching? I'm not binge watching Tiger King, okay? I've been supporting people online. I'm helping hold your heart. I'm a light worker, motherfucker. And I feel truly privileged holding space through the deep L, the deep listening, which is something I've been doing. And it's something that this podcast has helped me start. Check this out. How cool is this? We're into episode seven. I feel like this is a good time to do this. People have helped me start this podcast. And then that turned to helping others in another way. And I'd like to take a moment to express my gratitude for everyone who has come to me, for your trust and your vulnerability, for your deep V in the last seven years. And thank you to everyone who has supported this podcast. My patrons supporting on Patreon Alex Gruel, Alyssa, Amy, Ayla Collins, Brad Winter, Bridget Shacklett, Bud with two D's, Arnold, Caprice, Sharice Miranda, Cheryl Newfield Gravkin, I love you, Daniel Rennells, Elisa Evans, Erica Ruder, Aaron Schumann, Glenda Wyatt, Josie Burkett, Kenny Tran, Kevin S., Kimberly Bowie, Kimberlyn Harburn, Kieran Turley, Kristen Garcia, Lizzie, Maria, Michael Jang, Monique Balaski, Nick, PJ Duncan, Ricardo Torres, Ryan Schapp, Samantha, Sarah Butterworth, Sarah May, Scott Graham, Steph Jones, Stephen Elliott Buckley, Steve Connolly, Tara, everyone who has bought me a coffee on coffee.com. Man, people who have made donations in the name of being my COVID sponsor, I am loving you regardless. But I'm acknowledging all of these people who have helped me. You have saved my life. You have helped me support other people. Rochelle, Tanya, Chad, Kieran, endless names. These donations have allowed me to do this and start the deep L, the deep listening, I'm taking video calls with people and it's been so interesting. I am asking for a sliding scale on ararium, but I don't turn anyone away. So for those who are unable to financially offer anything, I have used this money that has been donated to me through this podcast to gift the time and space and tools to people that need it. It just keeps giving. This is the shit that makes me feel alive. It reminds me on the days where I feel purposeless that that's just a lie of the mind. But, you know, then some days I haven't showered or gotten dressed. (laughs) I've repotted some dead plants, journaled and meditated every day, spending a lot of time in nature, alone, in quiet contemplation. Not doing my taxes, still. The honey jar got stuck one day and no one was around to help me. But still, life is sweet. Well, I've been noticing some shit that hurts. Besides the uncertain traumatic state of everything in this world, over here in my bubble, and this is me being so self-centered, I'm noticing that I'm losing my skills. Stupid shit I shouldn't even be concerned with right now, but last episode, I felt like I was grabbing a boiling hot kettle. (laughs) As a former radio host, I'm getting bad at sight reading. I used to read commercials and do voices all the time, and I'm losing it. And this is truly a death of me, losing everything I worked hard for. It is hilarious and maddening. Oh, geez, my pride. Hold on. These are my skills. To pay the bills? No one's paying the bills now. I've been going to virtual therapy with my virtual problems because nothing's real anymore. This whole thing has proved that everything is just a concept. Time, capitalism, money. I mean, come on. Everything that used to be a meeting doesn't have to be. Isn't that enough? Why aren't we celebrating, Karen? Oh, and Karen's this week. Karen, get this. Karen's this week took to the interwebs to say that Karen is a slur. Which is a total Karen thing to say. But can you blame poor Karen? Poor thing. Karen's at home quarantined in her house, and she can't ask to speak to the manager. Karen's got it the roughest. So some people aren't celebrating this time because it's painful. And see, most people are afraid of dying. Death. They can't even talk about it. I think about my own death every day, not in a sinister way, but... I think it's healthy. I go to sleep and I think, well, if this was it, if I died, whatever that means, how do I feel about today? How did I make others feel? I think about that, but I know we really don't have any control over how we make other people feel really, but I think about it still. And I think if I were to die, what would I have done differently? If I could have another day, what would I do differently tomorrow? Thinking about my own death has helped me a lot. But death can't even be a thought for some. I mean, for some people, it's extremely hard to live. While others can't even fathom their own death. Sometimes I fall into the former, not the latter. I've had dying dreams, which I heard are healing dreams. Sometimes I think that my deaths will inevitably be caused by being sarcastic to the wrong person at the wrong time. (laughs) Life versus death, light versus dark, dueling polarities, if we're not in one, we're often in the other, joy versus pain, something versus nothing, open versus closed. I believe that throughout our life, we must experience death if we want to truly know what it is to live. Pema Chodron says that part of the beauty of human existence is the pain. It enables freedom. And once we can find the space to allow the pain to come in, recognize it, and then let it go, we can be free. We can be free to understand that we will never escape it. We can't control it or anything. We can only control how we feel about it. We can't escape pain. It's like accepting death. The process of death begins when we are born, Pema says. It's every breath breathing out. It's passing. We can resist it and suffer. Or we can understand it's a part of us and feel it and be free. Just like this idea of our bodies and who we are. We don't really have a body. We have an ever-changing experience. We are constantly in transformation. The body is a more dynamic experience than I think most of us realize. Did you know our stomach lining is regenerated every five days? We recycle our skin once a month. Our skeleton... Every three months. Most people identify with their bodies and their lives, but how can we identify with something that is constantly changing, constantly going through death and birth? We tend to not think about our existential dilemmas until somebody else gets sick or someone else dies. If you're not able to think of your own death, I'll share some words from young Pueblo. Four things to remember during moments of inner turbulence and tough emotion. Do not hide from what you are feeling. This current discomfort is not permanent. Rest is an important way to calm the mind. Struggle can be a space of deep growth. And in that, let's talk about human suffering for a second, okay? When we're suffering, especially in this moment, it's typically derived from five different things. Number one, not knowing who you really are. And in that, again, confusing yourself with your body and your mind and the changing of the world and your experiences in time. The second thing that we often suffer from is always grasping and clinging at things that can't be grasped. The third, the fear of impermanence. The fourth, the ego, the social construct, identifying yourself with your selfie, And the fifth thing we often struggle with and therefore suffer from as humans is the fear of death. And one easy solution to all of this suffering is to find out who you are. Spoiler alert, it is not your mind and your body and the worldly appearance either, which is constantly shifting and changing and also ungraspable. Who you are Is an awareness of a being that is having that experience, and that being is not necessarily in time. One of my teachers instilled this in me. To transcend suffering is to go beyond it. I've died in my suffering and been reborn vibrant and alive in joyfulness and gratitude. If we don't suffer or face death, and that's what's really underneath our pain and suffering again, the fear of death then we won't be able to be so beautifully alive. If we can continue to go into it, that is to accept it. And accepting it is the space that gives freedom. Freedom to live from love. And when you take a look around the world and see that suffering is the greatest teacher of love, you will bow down to pain and thank it. For all she has taught us, a favorite from Charles Bukowski, we are here to laugh at the odds and live our lives so well that death will tremble to take us. And Doctor Dre said, "Nothing, you idiot! Doctor Dre's dead. He's locked in my basement." Life, the constant build-up and breakdown, birth hard lessons, love, consumerism, capitalism, defeat, resilience, creation, destruction, change, wisdom, death, repeat, repeat, and hopefully somewhere in there, sleep, If you're not growing, then you're dying. Sometimes it can be both at the same time. Figure that one out. I've been going through an extended death, mostly of my experience of people, places, things. A death of myself and all the former and subsequent selves. The time, the place, the triggers, the memories, the promises, the ideas, the forevers, and always. The death phase is the most difficult and the one that almost always kills me in real life. We're always talking about growth and goals and to-dos, but right now, I'm experiencing dying in many senses of the word. It's not bad. It's not wrong. But it's the one that no one wants to talk about, yet it's one of the guaranteed phases of life cycle on our spinning disco globe. Grief in all its forms, is a motherfucker. Every time we lose something here, there has to be a death before there can be a growth into the space. Where do the feelings go? Seemingly sucked into some pseudo-black hole where they're not here, but they're not really gone anywhere. Yet I can't see them. I'll never be who I was then. I'll never be... Who I am now, again. And when it's all too painful, I'll keep going through the death phase because I know what's just around the corner. Birth. So I was trying to find some sort of way to make an income because I have no job, and I was also trying to find meaningful work. And that was before this all happened. And I was thinking about what could possibly be my ninth career and fourth life death. feel like I'm stuck in the backseat asking, are we there yet? Some people have purchased my book, and and that's great. And I want to give a shout-out to Jordy B., who's been taking my book all over Asia. Well, he was. I guess you're still there, Jordy B. I hope you're okay. And shout-out to Daily Hive and Mo Amir, who gave me some promo to my book last week about how my personal poetry calls to embrace solitude. Thank you so much for that. But in thinking about work, before this, of course... I was looking at things like, can I find work aligned to my morals and values? Fulfillment versus making enough money? Morals and money? Before this, I had some social media advertising opportunities, and I actually turned them down because of morals. And now I'm like, damn, why did I do that? (laughs) Things that I guess don't matter now. And before this, I got chirped so hard, I feel like I reached a whole new low. Someone reached out to me on Instagram and was all like, oh, it sucks to see Vancouver chewed you up and spat you out. Like, it's so ironic. You were at all the shows and the concerts. You basically are Vancouver. And then you got to leave? Oh, man, I'm so glad that I work in a creative industry that's stable. And I was like... Hey there, thanks for your extreme compassion and just what creative but stable industry are you in exactly? And she was like, I'm an escort. You know your life is blowing up when escorts are chirping you for not picking stable industries. (laughs) I wonder how she's doing now. Having a salary is an addiction. (gasps) That's an interesting concept. I never thought about this until the virus Thank you, Amir Rasik on Twitter, who said, Reality is more humans are lazy in developed nations. We were accustomed to secure jobs with benefits. This has made us docile and domesticated not to take risk. As Nassim Nicholas Taleb states, the two biggest addictions are heroin and salary. And even... Heroin, I would also say sugar and alcohol should be in that same category as well. Sugar, alcohol, heroin. And we're talking about in Western society here, generally. We're generalizing. Have you found that you've been addicted to a salary at any point in your life? If you've lost your job now, do you recognize that? Does that statement ring true or trigger you? How about the statement that we've become docile and domesticated not to take risks? That's so interesting. I think that we're all adapting and pivoting as artists a bit right now, even if you didn't identify as that before. The truth is, for me, I think I was addicted to my salary before. I relied on it and just knew it to be there. And now the world is experiencing high levels of depression, suicide, health issues, And divorce, all results of our collective job losses. And you know what? We have to get creative however we can. Again, we have to pivot and adapt and come from that non victim mode. We have to take control of our response to this. For example, I'm not victimizing myself. Big news in my world this week I got a huge zit on my neck. (laughs) Finally, A friend. My dog doesn't listen to me. I didn't know all these years as a radio host would pay off. All those years talking to myself nonstop. (laughs) Turns out I'm hilarious. And now I talk to my new friend. On my neck. Whatever. Looks like I was making out with someone, so... Pretty sweet. Patiently, I wait for the new norm. Healing ourselves. For far too long, it's been socially acceptable to numb our pain and run from our wounds. Cover it up with things and titles and labels and people and dollar sign and check marks and busyness. Get wasted every birthday. Get wasted every Friday. Play a role because they say so. Judge someone because I'm afraid. Close my mind because it's easier. Shut my eyes because it hurts too much. It's important work to heal, to grow, to expand, to be curious. To spread this message and to live this myself has been met with a lot of resistance from myself, from my world. It's lonely. Sometimes I feel so fucking lonely a lonely alien that half lives in a conscious, aware state and half lives as an imposter sucked into society's norms because I have to be. I wait patiently for the new norm of healing. So how's your healing going in isolation? Me, I've been working on forgiveness. And I want to start this off with, uh, forgiveness doesn't mean that what happened was okay. Here's your loving reminder that the dark thoughts and feelings are not the truth of you. Who you are is full of forgiveness and love for all beings. These are just thoughts that spin around in your mind. So don't give those dark thoughts and feelings so much credit. I want to forgive anyone who's ever hurt me. Release the shards from my back. Vacuum out the cracks inside my heart. Free the falcons from behind my ribcage until they sing and I can bear witness to their float away with the day. The longer I hold on to wounds, the more I hurt. Who am I without the hurting? The pain, the stories... The ways we identify ourselves. I was at a Sky Studio light therapy session about a month ago where I had a bird's eye view so clearly. My need for pain. My need to cling onto being a victim. The ways I've been harmed. Yes, they're real. But what's the point in reliving and retelling those moments that have passed? Yes, it throbs. But see when the mind grasps at holding onto the torment of ghosts. The fear is real that if we let go of these aches forever, finally, and forgive, that maybe we won't be how we've always known ourselves to be. Good. May all beings be happy and free is a line from loving kindness, meta or matri meditation. And to say this until we believe it, embody it towards ourselves, others, and yes, especially those that have harmed us, may be our greatest work yet. So people are still not isolating and they've got this mentality of like, I'm not scared, I'm leaving the house anyways. You dummy, we're supposed to act as if we have the virus already. That's the best video that I saw at the start of this outbreak uh, from Graham Medley, a professor of infectious disease modeling. And he said to act as if you already have the virus. And while you're worried about the virus... I'm worried about nature. Everyone's like, you're so lucky. I want to go camping and you're in the woods. And I'm like, yeah, my life's cool. It's like I went camping once and it's never ended. (laughs) So there's coyotes here. There's a lot of wildlife here. There's cougars and bobcats and bears and coyotes. And I've seen their scat and I started seeing them around. So I had a genius idea to... Howl like a coyote every time I went outside Because in my mind, obviously, they would howl back It's nature, Robert Goulet I shouldn't be allowed to live in the woods Who the hell allowed me to live alone in the woods? (laughs) So I met a couple on the beach who told me that a neighbor's dog got killed by a coyote last week And when I say neighbor, they're not my neighbor And when I say couple on the beach, they don't live anywhere near me. (laughs) They told me that the coyote pack sends in a female coyote in heat to lure out the dog, and then the pack kills it. It's terrible. They also told me that when an ambulance drives by, the coyotes wail. Weird, I thought. I've never heard an ambulance here. So one day last week, I take Raven out to the beach, and I don't put her on her leash. I was just like... Yeah, let's just trust, Siege. I'm just going to trust. <laughs> and I did my howl. Nothing happened, of course. Oh! oh, I'm on the beach and throwing the ball, and suddenly I hear an ambulance off in the distance. Now, normally when I hear an ambulance, I do a little thing where I send love or a prayer to the paramedics and to whoever is the person suffering or needing help. So I hear the ambulance wail, I give my love bubbles, and then my mind clicked into, oh yeah, the coyotes. And that's when I heard it. Sounds of screeching children surrounded us. No, no, no. It sounded like babies were being devoured. Oh my God, I want to barf thinking about it. It was okay. It was like I had him imagine here. It was like a pack of hyenas and a pack of wolves collided. They were so loud and it surrounded us in the entire forest. And Raven was shaking. And I had to grab her, I had to pick her up. And she's starting to get heavy and I'm out of shape. I mean, I'm a shape. It didn't help that I found this really huge bone on the beach that I wanted to bring home. And looking back now, it was probably a human that the coyotes ate. I had to choose between carrying the mystery bone or picking up my dog, Raven. And I'm like, shit, but this mystery bone. Who doesn't love a good mystery bone, am I right? Mystery bone. So I carried Raven over the driftwood, I'm running, I'm sweating, she's shaking, I'm kind of shaking, and they all ran in in their pack and surrounded us. Oh my god, it was so fucking scary. And my body was shaking for like two days afterwards. Everybody else is banging pots and pans for healthcare heroes every night. I bang them to scare coyote packs away. And I'll never know the truth about the mystery bone. Mystery bone. Mystery bone. is that cat food or dog food the guy in the elevator said dog food i proclaimed a little too proudly everybody knows that cats are just for sad lonely people and dogs are for sad lonely people But seriously, quarantine is good for the pets. Some dogs at home are so happy right now. I read a story online about how one pup sprained their tail from wagging it all day because they're so happy that their owners are home with them. So damn happy. That's not my dog, of course. little spoiled brat. So shout out to the dog toy industry for taking every shrapnel of money I have, which is nothing. I can't find one dog chew toy that will satiate Raven. I just gave her this new ball-rope combination, now with expanding rope, and here she is, five minutes into it, already chewed apart the ball. I'm in the wrong business. Actually, I'm in no business. I'm in none business. (coughs) You talking to Grandpa? Got me thinking about industries that are killing it right now. Facebook, Instagram, no doubt. Zoom, Zoom's killing it right now. Hand sanitizer, Lysol wipes, face masks, toilet paper, yeah. The alcohol industry, marijuana, these are good givens. Pornhub is free right now. The sex toy industry, they're probably killing it. Artificial intelligence, killing it. What about my escort friend that chirped me? She killing it? Is she, I don't, how's that work? Sex Toy Robots? I wonder how they're doing. we will do a quick Google search here. Naturally antibacterial sex doll companies trying to cash in on the coronavirus. I knew it. Just stay in your right mind and you'll be fine. Don't stare at familiar lines on the highway sides. Don't visit your ghosts so they can poke open all those memories you wrote them down and placed them in a jar, so far away they are now from where you were then. Just stay in your right mind and if you can't call a friend. Don't think about what you expected or remember what would happen when. Don't visit your old house so it can make you feel like shattered glass. The shadows linger still in the windows as you pretend not to look fast just stay in your right mind and always be positive for the life you live. Don't think about what if you can't forgive or lust for placing your heart one more time next to the warmth of his. It's not him. It's not her. It's not them. It's truly you. Just seeing whatever mind shows up is sometimes all that you can do. So at the start of this podcast, I did a segment called Dear Siege where you wrote in to me and I'd like to bring it back with some worries. I asked you to bring forth your current aches, one per customer, and I got a lot of them. Before I answer them, I want to remind you, I want to remind me, nothing is guaranteed We think we have time, and we think we know what's going to happen, and we have these expectations and obligations and a prescription for the life we think we're living, and something happens that pulls the rug out from underneath us and reaffirms that, oh yes, nothing is guaranteed. But also, your worries are totally valid and real to you too. It's your truth. That doesn't negate anyone else's either. Yes, there's always someone worse off or has it worse, but that doesn't mean that your suffering isn't real. It's just up to us how much power we give to our suffering. So I want to thank you all for sending in your worries, and I want to thank you for your trust. The worries really varied. Things like, I worry about what to cook for breakfast, to, I worry I won't be able to have my first and last wedding on June 3rd. I worry about all the other folks whose worries are bigger than mine. I worry that humanity doesn't learn from this. I worry this isolation with my spouse might finally split us up after a decade in. I worry a decade lost. I worry about my mental health and everyone's mental health. I worry about getting COVID because I'm a final year nursing student practicing in the hospital. I'm worried when I go for my first ultrasound, they won't find a heartbeat on my baby. I'm worried that I feel lonely, but I'm worried that I kind of always have felt that way. I worry for my son and his friends. The teenagers are having a difficult time. I worry that this will be our lives for way too long. I worry I can't be with my family right now to mourn the loss of my mama. I worry I won't ever feel the touch of the person I love again. I'm worried that I'll die before I accomplish everything I want to in this life. I'm worried I'm going to be alone the rest of my life. I'm worried I'll lose my mind. So many worries. So let's answer one of these. I'm worried I'll never talk to him again, and I'll never know if he's okay. Thank you for your worry, sweet soul. Never speak to them again? Can you meditate for them? Maybe pray, even if you're not a person that prays. Maybe light a candle for them and write a grief letter. Have you ever done one of those? It's answering a bunch of questions that are meant to help us process grief. Then we read the letter aloud into our own eyes in a mirror and rip it up, burn it, or bury it. Can you be okay with that? Can you relinquish control? Can you send them love anyway? Can you send yourself love too? Thank you for your trust. Let's open another worry. I'm worried things will never be the same. Things will never be the same. Can we accept that? Can we accept that things are constantly changing? Perhaps this is a big one. So let's not make grand sweeping statements because we just don't know yet. We don't know the end result of this. But can we accept that we are here? We're in this. Things will never be the same. And is that bad? Were things so good before that we need them to stay the same? For the world, for others, for me? Maybe this monumental change is what we deeply needed. It's weird and painful and suspicious and life-affirming and devastating all at once. Can we keep our hearts open, especially when we want to let them harden and close? Here's another worry. I'm worried that this is the life we're meant to live. Can we accept what is true right now? Can we reflect on the past and learn from it? We have no idea what the future holds. So how do we know what life we are supposed to lead? I'm definitely not living the one that I was maybe born into living. And you know what? I'm glad. It has not been easy by any means. It's still not easy, but I keep showing up. And in doing so, I realize I am living. I am alive. This is my life. And what a joy it is to exist. The last worry we're going to open for now. This is one for everyone. I'm worried I'll never feel good about myself. Sweet soul. This one requires us to dive deep why are we unhappy? What is our pain? You felt joy in your life before. I know that is true. So are you committed and able to work at your healing so that you can work towards feeling good more, not even all the time? I just want to offer a lot of love to all of these worries, and maybe uh, many of them you find yourself relating to. And isn't that beautiful? Isn't there some sort of hope or comfort to know that we're all more alike than we realize? We are the feelers, and as such, I believe we are the healers. I want to remind you, you are wonderful, you are loved, you are worthy You are growing. You are adapting. You are pivoting. You have great capacity for kindness, awareness, generosity, compassion, and love. Don't forget. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Until we meet again, this is not goodbye, but it is good night. The Deep V is recorded on the Sunshine Coast in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Music, composition, and production provided by Andrew Rasmussen in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Hire him for your next creative project, or if you need an incredible touring musician or composer, he's a pro. You can find me online at caseyjolose.com. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Casey Joe It's like loose with no E. And you can buy my debut poetry book, I see you I am you at I see you, I am you.com. If you have any suggestions or confessions, send me a note at thedeepvpodcast at gmail.com. And most importantly, if anything resonated with you here today, please share it with someone you love or talk about it in real life. Thanks for listening.